0: Hello and welcome back to Just Get A Real Job. I am of course your host, Jamie McKinley, and I hope you're well on this Monday evening. I have not done a proper intro for about a month. Or so because we were doing the live shows at the Fringe And I was recording the intros on the go And Elliot did last week So Elliot's actually been great, massive thank you to him He's been sort of filling in for me quite a lot on the intros It's been a really intense month But I'm really happy to be back again this week Properly And we have a bit of a different episode in store for you this week actually As we take a look back at some of the best writing advice We'd had on the podcast so far So done 92 episodes now We must have had at least 20 writers Maybe more on the podcast So we had a wee listen back to some of our old episodes, some of our newer episodes, just basically went through the back catalogue, which I'd encourage you to do the same. There's plenty of amazing conversations on it, but it was really nice to sort of listen back to some older ones. And it just it blew my mind actually because just like like some of the level of guests and conversations we got to have on this is just incredible. Like such good advice, some brilliant guests, and it was just a really really nice exercise to sort of go back and listen. And I was getting a bit nostalgic as well because some of these episodes I was still like you know working in my old care job and still sort of writing and stuff and. obviously now work in TV development as a script editor it's totally different and I'm not at all a writer and I've never claimed to be one so it was quite funny in that regard but we obviously couldn't include every previous guest we might do another one like this a part two at some point but I think we'd got about 12 previous guests maybe slightly less I can't remember exactly the number but a good selection of previous guests sharing their writing advice with us so it's different i've taken different bits of conversations just merged them all together so a little snippets from different episodes and i'll be introducing each episode as we go through but i hope you enjoy it it's cool to be able to do a best of like this and have enough episodes to do it so yeah it was really exciting to sort of put this together and i hope you enjoy this week's episode which i'll be taking you through as we go Anyway, up first, we have a little snippet from episode 51 of the podcast, where we were joined by screenwriter James Cappell and James runs Scribe Lounge, which is an amazing writing community. And since we spoke nearly over about a year ago, it's grown and grown. And if you're a writer and you're not a member of that, be sure and check it out. Anyway, here is a little clip from that episode. Well, there's something else I'll quickly ask you as well, because I mean, I'm sure it's a common question on Scribe Lounge and it's a common yeah. question. To all writers, because when I did my masters in screenwriting, everyone would always ask this. But like, do you have any like sort of tips to people like how they might be able to get an agent, or how you went about getting an agent and the process behind that? Just very
2: quickly. Oh man, I mean, it's the biggest question. It's yeah. the biggest question. It's the question we get the most, and I think it's so common for a lot of people. And yeah. it's a massive, it's a massive barrier. It's really mm-hmm. hard. Um, basically, a screenwriting career is a series of barriers, you know, or hurdles that you have to yeah, get yeah. over, and that's a massive one. And then the next stage, even when you've got an agent, is trying to get stuff optioned and get in. Yeah, companies. get it developed then, Yeah, absolutely And then and then it's trying to get it made And then it's trying to get it A second series made Or it's trying to get it Past a commissioner You know, it's just There's always a rung To get past And, and getting an agent Is a really hard one For me I went down a route of sort of, I had to go in cold because I came to London with no contacts whatsoever. I did not, unlike you, I didn't do an MA or anything like that. I Mm. didn't, in, in terms of my craft, I didn't do screenwriting. I didn't have any qualifications in writing at all. So I just had to write and write and write and at every point, I would send the script out to whether it was enter it into the BBC writer's room or I would send it to friends for notes and things. And I, I was just kind of getting better. Then I started to, when the script started to get better, I started to approach agents and they were very dismissive at first and were like, no, this isn't good enough, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I would go away, write another script and then send it again. And then they'd be like, oh, this is all right. This is OK, but it's not yeah. good enough for us to, to consider you. So come to us when you've written the next thing. So I would go away and I would write something else and I would try again basically and then eventually i wrote the script which again was about my hometown i went right back to my roots and i really thought about the story that i wanted it was probably the closest thing to to me the most sensitive thing i'd ever written and it was the script that really nailed me as a writer and me and my style it was the first time i really hit upon what my voice is essentially and then all of a sudden i had a choice between two agents two agents wow. came back to me in fact the agent i'm now with i was coming out of glastonbury festival <laughs> uh, like i'd sent it off the week before and he'd email me back saying we're not taking anybody on at the moment so you know i'm really sorry but uh, i'm it's just the way it is because he was a big, powerful agent with lots of very famous writers. So I forgot about it, went off to get drunk at Glastonbury and I was in, we were all in the car at like stupid o'clock in the morning coming home and I had a and then you get signal finally when you leave Glastonbury, (laughs) don't you, you know? And so, and then I had a voicemail, I had a voice voicemail from him saying, I've read your script, I love it and I want to meet you on Monday, uh, if I or next week, can I, sort of thing. And we all just completely lost our minds, because we'd all, you know, shared in my my hard journey to get to this point. And then, yeah, I had a choice. I was lucky enough to have a choice between two amazing agents, one who really wanted to get into my work, and like, really help me dissect it, really kind of work on the craft of it, and like, really get into the nuts and bolts. And then the other agent, who I ended up going with, who didn't want to touch the material at all, he just wanted to let me go, all he was going to do was introduce me to people. And he was, going to let me learn on my own and at the time that's what I thought I wanted and so I said yes I will take that thank you very much I'm very thankful that I did because amazing agent and I was introduced to so many amazing people but it took me a long time then to learn the craft on my own and get better and you know I've had to do a lot of that on my own so that's why Scribe Lounge has ended up coming about because it's I think I missed out on that collaboration I missed out on collaborating with people early on in my career which is so it, helpful it, yeah
3: know,
2: so helpful it's taken me like five years to learn things <laughs> that I should have known before I was meeting these amazing producers so yeah um, yeah so that's how I got an agent it was just basically emailing them cold but very specific about who I wanted to send my stuff to I wasn't just blanketing I would never advise people to email. Email people or kind of bother people you know you've got to really understand where your work is at you need to understand and get feedback from people to know and you need unanimous yeses from everybody saying this is brilliant this is brilliant you, this is you know mm. this is ready at that point you know you should go to agents but you want to go to very specific agents you want to look at yeah. who's on their list what sort of writers they represent and kind of why you fit on their list it's really really important Definitely.
0: No, that that that's great. I loved what you said about like you need the unanimous yeses from everyone that you're sending the script to but to read it before you send it. I think that's great. It's so true as well. Like, I mean, now on the other side of it, working my new role as a script editor and stuff,
4: yeah, so part yeah, of my yeah.
0: job is reading scripts, and we're on a tight schedule, and like. We can only take so much, and you. you like it's, I, feel, I hate rejecting a script. It's something I'm not very good at because I want to give yeah. everyone a chance. But it's my job. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like sometimes yep. I'm like, oh my god, like I, I can't accept. But yeah, so we're
2: really nitpicky. So like you're right, it has to be like absolutely, especially when you know where you're at in terms of it's professional writers bringing you their work. Mm-hmm. You know. When we're trying to write that defining script, the one that gets you an agent, you can really care about that one piece of material because it's so important. It's the one that has to define you in some way. It has to be your calling card, your sample script that's going to get you that meeting. But when you get to the next rung and you're just producing work in order to get it made, that that preciousness has to go. It has to evaporate because we get no's and rejections on a daily basis because you should be sending work out and you're constantly making contacts. And so if I send my work to you as a production company and and you as a script editor say oh it's not quite right it's not quite what we're looking for or we've got something quite similar to it on our slate right now I'm not going to take offense because yeah there's lots of other production companies that uh that will want it they will there will be a space for it and we have to learn to grow that kind of rejection thick skin you know after a while because it never stops coming those rejections never stop coming yeah yeah (laughs) How, how do
0: you how do you find rejection personally that's a question we actually ask a lot on this podcast are you have you been quite yeah. good have you had to learn that or have you always been not bad for it Uh
2: no I think it's they they, they have been impactful I think the little ones uh, aren't so bad when you're first trying to get projects underway so mm. you know when I'm sending out a new piece of material to production companies it's normally people that I've met already so I've had a general meeting that's been yeah. set up through my agent so they already know me they already understand my work so there's already a bit of a shorthand there because they know what James's script is going to feel like then it's just about aligning tastes so nobody is ever rejecting it because they think it's shit you know and that's a really important distinction they're just rejecting it because like you just said nitpicky it's about really tiny things and aligning taste and getting those things to match up so those little rejections i really don't take personally i think they're ones that we have to take in our stride and we just take the work back and we go somewhere else it's the ones that you've spent two years working on that have gone to commissioners they've gone to streamers and you're waiting Mm. on decisions I'm waiting on decisions now on multiple projects and it's never stops being painful waiting and either when when a project you really love falls it doesn't stop being impactful you know because you care about it you care about it yeah but at the same time you do have to learn to take it in your stride so I probably probably used to hit me harder for longer the big nose when I'd worked hard on a project but now I will give myself some sulk in time you know i'll i'll have a bottle of wine and i'll kind of you know we'll mourn the loss over overnight and then the next day or a couple of days later you've got to get back on it and you've got to think about something else because ultimately i think you need to have lots of irons in the fire in order to keep yourself going so if one thing falls you can put all your eggs in a different basket basically so it never stops being harsh and brutal is the honest answer i think if you're impervious to rejection you're a bit weird but at the same time as writers, we do need to learn to eat it for breakfast. Definitely.
0: Yeah. No, thank you for, for, again, for your honesty, James. I mean, it's, I mean, like, rejections never easy for anyone, like, no matter what industry we're in in the arts. Yeah. Um, but it
2: just sadly is part of it. One of our Skype members, she has this lovely, Lilith, she has this lovely theory of like, she collects rejections. So she sets herself a target for the year of mm. collecting 100 rejections. Like, she's like, it's a jar she wants That's to That's great. Up, like, I love because that. Because basically, that means that she's got 100 different times that she's made an effort and so something's going to happen if you fill your 100 rejection jar think how many times she's put herself out in the world think how many different connections she's made in those 100 rejections you know and i think that's such a wonderful way of looking at things because if you only have like five rejections because you've been too scared to send anything out the, Your opportunities Are so much less Than someone with A hundred rejection jar oh my God. You know what I mean And I think that's such A lovely way of looking at it Don't that, you That's absolutely bro. That's like You know You, you learn something every day Or like your
0: Whatever <laughs> they call it Quote of the day or anything That's great That's going to be getting used On lots of following podcasts So I'll make sure to
2: credit uh, Would you say yeah, Lily? Yeah yeah it's Lilith Harris yeah that's not well, what's I'll
0: not. we'll make sure to credit her when I bring that one up in future <laughs> absolutely episodes. next up we're going to episode 26 for a little snippet from my conversation with Rachel Maine, who is a very talented playwright who happens to be from the same place as me in Glenrothes, And I really enjoyed this conversation Which we recorded March 2021 So a long time ago now And it was really nice to listen back to it So I hope you enjoy this lovely bit of advice from Rachel on being a playwright But we'd like to sort of ask everyone If you could just summarise what you've sort of been saying Do you have, What advice would you give to anyone that maybe wants to be a writer Wants to be working the arts in general Like what would you say to them?
4: Okay just a couple of things Do it and I mean, literally do it, be proactive, write, write, write. Even if it's bad, try. It doesn't mean you have to write every day. It doesn't matter, like, when you pick stuff up again, but just, just do it. That's the easy part. I think the other two things I'd say is just try and find your people. And by that is, in one sense, you know, like, do your research, see people who could potentially be mentors for you or just people that can give you really good advice like do that but in a deeper way like find your people who will be your people like the ones who believe in you who believe in your dreams and your writing or just your dreams even the people you know that like even when the chips are down those people are still going to be there and they are still gonna believe in you the way they have since day one so that takes time it's something you have to cultivate and I think I didn't realize that as much and I've been very fortunate but you know like if just just um keep it in mind i think people get very competitive and there's reasons for that but it's really not about that at the end of the day if there's enough success for everyone out there i really believe yeah. i really believe that absolutely and, um, and i guess the last thing would be um a really good piece of advice that i got so i'll pass it on is just try and be your own cheerleader And that doesn't mean go out screaming and shouting about being great. It's just trying to challenge that voice. Every creative person's like little devil on your shoulder that's telling you that this isn't real like but it's the imposter syndrome i'm such a self-critical person but someone told me like just try try being your own cheerleader and that just means like actively trying to challenge the imposter syndrome and the voices in your head and it's hard but just have a go at it i guess i would say
0: that's absolutely brilliant advice like you'd so i think you'd summarize the sort of main things we spoke about in this episode so well there and I, I, the thing you said about cultivating your people is so true and actually everything you'd said has come up time and time again since doing this podcast I mean I think we're like 20 odd episodes we recorded at least 20 episodes now and it's so interesting how the people's advice is so similar because it's so true it's like I think having your tribe of people is that is vital for me keeps me going and, and yeah being your own cheerleader I love that little phrase you said that I think that's brilliant so thank you very much rachel for this next bit of writing advice we are going to be going back even further to episode 11 with my dear friend craig wilson who has been on the podcast a few more times since then on our christmas specials and craig i've studied screenwriting with and this episode was so good to record we got great feedback for this episode at the time and it was a joy to revisit it so here is some writing advice from craig wilson who is a screenwriter I remember you telling me when we met. You were doing some writing before that. So you did you try to write a film at that point?
5: Oh yeah. Oh fuck yeah. So I did. I, <laughs> I, I wrote a first draft of something, and uh, I I didn't have final draft at the time. So I wrote it on like Microsoft Word. And which is just a disaster. Oh Man, I to write plays on that software. Oh, I don't know who we ever did it now with the software we have. Oh, man. That, it's just exactly. chaos. chaos. It is it, chaos. And Having to I like, get the character even the, the spacebar across. Yeah, and all that. yeah. I mean, I, I listened to the. I've just started properly listening to the Script Notes podcast. You know, Craig Mason and John Very August. podcast. And you know, Craig Mason says, you know, no, get final draft, proper writers. <laughs> the best, final the best draft. you'll
0: ever make as a writer. I'm, I'm sick. We're both me and Craig are both telling this get final draft it's worth the £100 if you're lucky enough to get the student one I think it's what 200 if you're not a student Something it's worth the investment you it get is. it
5: forever and it's brilliant it is so yeah I wrote that but it was only on Microsoft Word it would translate to more pages on final draft but it was only 56 pages and it basically just started off with an idea that I had I had an idea of like a strong emotional thing and an ending and I just went I'm just going to start writing I'm just going to write it out because a lot of you know successful writer-directors that's the advice they give. Tarantino's a big one about that. People like, you know, Stanley Kubrick and all that, you know, you just you have to write and you have to let the story find its way and let the characters find their way and the themes come out of that. Bullshit. You outline. Outline and Discover, like, if, if you want to tell a, a story a certain way, you I think you need to know what it is thematically first. See, this, what this is what you're talking we
0: about. Well, I wouldn't say we differ because I totally I think yeah. your advice is brilliant. And, and actually, as a writer, so something bullshit,
5: Jimmy, I'm walking out. Something,
0: <laughs> something I need to get better <laughs> at myself as a writer, you'd actually give me some brilliant advice and resources for this. Is for example, I did my major project. I did outline it, but mm. not as in depth as you and I, I did run into some problems and I'm slightly different style of writer. I tend to be quite dialogue driven writer. Mm. So just, my way of starting a script is I'll just write a scene, characters start talking and it builds from there. Yep. Which as you just pointed out is it can be very difficult if you've got for a story wise and you know, my plots are never as good as my characters, so that's mm. something I struggle with. So I, that's an interesting point you make.
5: Yeah, uh, well it's it's just you can do that if you wanted to go down the route of you know you just write and you just let stuff flow and let stuff happen but for me it's like that just it takes so long to get that right and it's so difficult to then go back and sort it all out and redraft it and all that kind of stuff and it just to me it just it's so bloody difficult and you get so lost i got to page 40 of writing this story and i was like i've got no fucking clue where to go now and i'm basically meant to be at the start of act three and I'm like, how can I only be at three? I'm, I'm, I've only done forty pages, and you know, I mean, like the Coens, they do it that way. But it's like, I think they go for, the, they find it really frustrating because, but then they make it work because they, they're the Coens and they've got the time and the money to do it. But like, I think, I can't remember which film it, a novel, Miller's Crossing or something else. But they started writing something, got to page forty, and they got so fucking stuck, and they were just like, right, we're gonna start writing something else, and they did start writing something else. And that to me <laughs> is just torture. I hate that and it just, it's like starting a road journey with no fucking plan and, and I just think because I've always hated plans funnily enough when we're, at, when we're at school writing essays and all that kind of stuff I remember my fifth or sixth year, she was my fifth and my sixth year teacher really trying to push from me to plan my essay before I started it and I did one time and I wrote the best essay that I'd written did the same thing at uni once when I actually planned out what the fuck I was going to write and I got the best grade because you end up waffling, you end up running out of things to say and then you end oh, up I'm repeating absolute, yourself. I'm great at waffling. I waffle on this podcast oh. all the time as well. So,
6: so and and
5: the same thing, I, I just think there's so many things that like if you don't do things with a plan, you just end up getting stuck really, really quickly and it can be really difficult to find your way out of. Like, if you, you could, for example, start, like, I'm going to run a marathon and I'm just going to train for it by running as much as I can. <laughs> or... You could follow a plan that has been set out by people who have also ran marathons. Like this is the best way to do it, and you maximise your time, your effort, your energy. And it's it's just there's so many things in life where it's like if you know if you do it without a plan, like a road journey. And people will say, oh, but if you outline, it's too mechanical, and you lose the you know the organic nature of it all. Which I just think's bollocks because you can change an outline. You know, an outline is just you basically telling yourself, right? Okay, the character's made this decision, and this is going to be the consequences. And you can change those actions that they take and the choices that they take in the outline. But if you've written thirty pages and you're like, this is a completely different film than I thought it was going to be, and I now need to go back to page one, and people are like, oh, that's fine. But we're not at the moment, anyway. We're not Aaron Sorkin. We're not the Coens. We're not Quentin Tarantino. We don't have that luxury right now. Yeah, we're also correct. having to work. And we're also, you know, still learning our craft. And I just think, as well, if, if you're going into TV writing, you have to outline. So you don't have a choice. So you well, might yeah, as well just you're, fucking you're,
0: do it. You're definitely right. It? I mean, outlining something I really personally need to get better at. and need to do more. Yeah, so I've got a few questions about the writing stuff now, just mm-hmm. to ask you. So one thing... Which I actually meant to ask some of the other writers that've been on, and I, I just we just ended up getting sidetracked. But what do you have like a, a sort of a schedule for how you write? It? Do you have like a sort of routine? That's the word I'm looking for. Do you have a, a writing routine? Like what works best for you? Because I know everyone's different.
5: Yeah, I suppose if I'm gonna like dedicate myself to something, then yeah, I mean I like to if I'm gonna write stuff or be creative, I think the best time to do it is sort of in the morning. There is like actual like scientific evidence for how fresh your brain is. Sort of in the morning time when it's rested right after sleep, you know. Because I used to do that with my exams. I used to do all my revision in the morning, yeah. so that I could relax in the afternoon sort of thing. So I like to try and do it as much as I can, maybe before lunchtime. I I, I just I don't like to try and do too much because if unless you're in a flow and and you, you feel like you can't stop, but if you try and force it, if you've like if you've written three or four pages and you're like trying to force something out it just doesn't work for me you just get a bit stuck and you get frustrated and you end up walking away anyway so i would i would rather write 3 really good pages be happy with that and then just continue on and maybe think about it a little bit during my day and think about where I'm going to go next and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I just try and I don't believe in this whole, yeah, you have to write eight hours a day and all this kind of no, stuff. Maybe no, if you're, it's... maybe if you write novels, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no,
0: I, I agree. Like, I think two or three hours is usually the most I'll ever get anything good because you get to a point where you just write terribly, you just write in yeah. absolute gash. It depends if you have a deadline coming up. I suppose you could maybe have to do a bit more. But I think the morning thing's true as well. I I I'll agree with that. Um, I found when I ever I scripts that if I sort of got up late, I'm on the, I already feel I'm on the back foot. Yeah. And whenever because I feel in the afternoon there's more distractions in the afternoon because more people are about in afternoon.
5: the afternoon is a social time as well? Yeah, you know.
0: So I think the morning is for me as well. Yeah. No, that that is interesting. And I'm to answer that because a lot of, that's a very common question people ask me. Do you got any tips for your routine? So I feel like people may want to hear that. Another
5: question is, who's your big influence as a screenwriter? Do you have any screenwriters you look up to? So just, just to go back to you, I would say consistency as well. Do mm. do stuff, consistency because you'll be amazed how quickly the pages can mount up if you're just consistent. Um, is, I, I don't know if I have necessarily one because every person who creates, they've all got something terrible in their locker. You know, they've... they've yeah i mean even like like my my basically hero of like cinema when, when you say the word cinema i think of steven spielberg and he's got some duds you know what <laughs> i mean so everybody's got something bad it's more just a case of if there's elements or if there's a, a particular story or a particular film script whatever that's just outstanding and you know because some people have like a, they have their trends but I find it difficult to find one person that I just think, oh yeah, I want to be like them. I, I try and find the best out of different people. So, I mean, I really love Aaron Sorkin, but everything he does is very, very dialog oriented yeah. Which I love. I love. Him. But, we're, you know, that that <laughs> that's something that a lot of... Because I've done it, and it's a lot of what amateur and student writers try to do. They try and write really complex or... Jazzy dialogue like Tarantino and Aaron Sorkin, and they just can't do it. They just end up sounding ridiculous. And you know, then the thing is, is that film is visual. So think visually first. I I watched a lot of uh, a couple of Buster Keaton films during lockdown, and it's like if 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 you can tell a story without sound, without dialogue, through the visuals. I mean, I know Buster Keaton is, is still, it's very exaggerated some of the acting, but if you can do that, if you can write action, dramatic action first and have the dialogue be, like, seasoning, you know, then that's great. But, I I mean, I still think Anna Sorkin's dialogue is just something to, like, kind of
0: aspire to. Next up, we have a little clip from episode 44 of the podcast with Lydia Molina white whose name I probably said wrong the first time she was on the podcast, and I probably said her name wrong again. But Lydia is a writer of many things. She writes stories, prose, and writes for magazines, etc., And when she was on the podcast, she's talked lots about being a freelance writer for magazines and writing for comic books, etc. So here's a little clip from her episode of the podcast. Some really good insights and advice. And I hope you enjoy this little clip.
7: Obviously, the freelance stuff is not Working that great, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm not even writing. So the time that I'm not trying to get clients, I'm not using it to write. So (laughs) obviously, like, it's not. You know, you can take a break. You can just use that time to sort of inhale and like feel good with yourself and what you're doing, and and work on other stuff. And then it will come, you know. But when you're when you're in it, it's really hard to think like that. Yeah,
3: absolutely. So
7: I ended up getting a job as a junior copywriter for a publishing house. So basically, it was like a creative agency. In, in London and that was that was how I kind of learned that side of things and in a way doing as you say it's kind of really very very mildly related to writing <laughs> the kind of writing I wanted to do if at all but it is writing you know like different writing skills and doing that kind of gave me the confidence to then work on my own stuff so I wrote and directed a film a short film
0: yeah I was um, gonna bring this up um but yeah you can do that now, which is <laughs> uh, Wilt, a horror film called Wilt right a short horror. yes yeah yeah. How, how yeah. did that come about then? So yes,
7: I was working in this, in this agency. And again, it was like a huge learning curve, the kind of place where they do brainstorms for big clients and how they're going to apply it to the magazines that we had and all this stuff and for the first like I don't know three or four months I didn't say a word in these brainstorms I was like I want to die like what can I you know I felt like so embarrassed and like I didn't have any good ideas and like I didn't want to share ideas with like a room full of people who knew what they were talking about but again I challenged myself and I was like right you need to get over yourself like you know you just need to the more you do it the easier it gets basically yeah, yeah, yeah. and one of the magazines that we that we worked with was was Radio Time so I still work with today as a freelancer. So. So obviously that's related to, to TV and film. And that was the one I loved working for the most, you yeah. know, because it's the thing I love the most. So, yeah, I think like just doing this gave me a lot of confidence and I'd worked on the 40 hour sci-fi competition. I don't know if you know
0: heard about that. I think I've heard of it, yeah.
7: You get given a sentence, a prop that you have to use, and you have to make a short film in 48 hours basically
0: which is an incredible <laughs> and, yeah. not a lot of time at all
7: no no it's <laughs> insane so my boyfriend and I did it one year and the film was awful but it was like good to learn again you know you do something you realise what you could have done differently and then you know if you're insane you do it again <laughs> so we did it again a <laughs> year after but this time he worked at the camera house and you know there's lots of creative people there who again are in the creative industries and doing lots of different stuff one of the people he so He's an artist, but also like a grip, so all this and a writer, so you know all (laughs) this stuff. So he ended up directing the the short that we that we did that got shortlisted. But anyway, so I was the assistant director and I helped write it. This forty hour short, and it was an amazing experience. You know, like I learned so much in in the forty hours. My sister Carla came on as well, so she was she was a runner, and it was yeah, it was like amazing. And the result was super cool. Like there was like a group of talented people, like you know coming together and making something that was insane to make but also really fun and really great and and you know I was involved from the beginning so you know I helped because that's what you have to do you have to do everything you know you have to do casting you have to do writing like on the day we got the prompt and the director and I sat down and the producer and we the three of us just like came up with a story and that was it like we just (laughs) went with it. I think that kind of made me think, oh, you know, I really kind of want to give this a try. And I'd had this confidence from like sort of doing stuff at my day job that I wouldn't have done otherwise. And I was like, OK, sure, let's like write and direct a movie and do a Kickstarter campaign. Why not? And and I actually learned, I love the pre-production side of things. I love the writing side of things. I think yeah. production is and post-production especially is not for me. <laughs> You know, which I learned from doing it. And that's how it came about, really. Like, I think, sorry, we lived in this flat in London that had a really long, scary corridor. So that kind of was the inspiration for it. And it's actually featured in the film. And yeah, and all my work really kind of has feminist themes. All of my creative work has feminist themes and is usually genre based. So I usually do speculative fiction. So like uh, fantasy sci-fi, which I like, you know, I love it as a sort of vehicle to explore. Yeah. feminist themes
0: that that was sort of going to be my next question for you (laughs) (laughs) just just to sort of just steer ways in that direction actually So obviously I know all your sort of creative writing stuff You love fantasy and all that stuff you mm. just sort of talked about And you've done it in various mediums So like I know you've done some And I've read some of your comics Which are very oh, are really, thank really, you. really cool <laughs> When I was preparing for this interview But like you've done the comic writing And I think you'd also written As you say for apps and things Like, So there's like a, such a, a variety of different styles of writing Is there one mm. that you love that you quite like the most And you ideally would like to continue in or is, Or do you just quite like the variety
7: I love the variety I think fiction really Is my first love So like prose yeah. So I love it Even though it's probably the hardest Probably it's quite one, hard. one
0: of the hardest Yeah, yeah.
7: I, was gonna say, I don't know Script writing is really hard for me Because obviously is. I come from a fiction From a sick. prose background
0: Because script writing Is very specific to Yeah um, It's hard I mean I, I've got Blowing degree in the thing And I, I think it's hard so.
7: <laughs> <laughs> See, exactly. There you go. And it's like, if you come from a prose background where you get to do, to put all this detail in and, you know, yeah. you get to be all descriptive and go all out on, on these things. And, uh, and, and then you go to script writing, which is like, oh, uh, we don't care. So I actually really like writing comments because it's kind of in between. It's so, actually,
0: isn't it? I've never yeah, done it, it but I've, I've always been
7: interested. Like It's, it's amazing. I love it. And yeah. I love collaborating with people. And it's almost like, you know, when you're writing prose, it's all up to you. So very you lonely, have to, actually, isn't it? Yeah, it's very lonely. And also, you have to write it, you have to edit it, you have to make sure it looks good. And obviously, then you get to a point where you maybe have an editor and that helps. And, you know, it kind of takes some of that weight off But at the moment, you know, at the beginning it's, It is very much on you And what I love about comics is that I can literally My script obviously it needs to be tidy And it needs to be as clear as possible That's the most important thing, you know So the artist knows what is expected of them And what is going on in the panels that you're writing Yeah.
8: Exactly. But
7: there's so much flexibility And it's not really your responsibility for it to look good Like obviously the story has to be in a really good place but, you know, ultimately You share that sort of burden If that makes sense And, I, and, and you know, I've been really lucky I've worked with super talented artists Who really, like We're in a good place now Where we understand each other And I trust them And they it's, it, it is, I love that About about writing comics So I kind of want to do more of that It's just like, you know Managing everything at the same oh, time
0: so <laughs> it's It is difficult When you've got so many Creative projects on the go Because Yeah I've, I was actually at a mental health thing With to The film and TV union And they were talking about how it was all about like mental resilience And apparently like the human brain Just is really struggles to deal with More than two or three things Creatively at once Because it doesn't know So it just is very like draining for
7: Exactly so
0: it, can be t- it can be tough <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah. And then things like, you know, like writing writing a novel or writing like a graphic novel, they're huge. So and it takes a million years and and you know, at least for me, you know, other people are, are super quick and amazing, but I'm very, you know, I'm very slow really. And I like to to research and I like to well, I like to procrastinate a lot. Oh absolutely. Um, <laughs> and all this stuff. So yeah, I think the variety is really is good because you work like you just work different creative muscles, if that makes sense. And, yeah, and it keeps I didn't really, yeah, I didn't really think that I would be writing comics or even scripts, like, you know, <laughs> but when I went to my master's, I actually ended up doing the comics module and then the, the lecturer was amazing. David Bishop. and Yeah, it was actually an yeah. option
0: for us to do. I, d- I didn't do that one because I actually kind of, in hindsight, was like, maybe I should have done that, but. It was
7: so yeah. good. I loved it. I I didn't, yeah, I didn't think, I didn't know what to expect, but It was great,
0: you know, and it kind of helped, you now to like, yeah, all this stuff. So, which is great. This next segment is from episode 60 of the podcast, and it's with BAFTA award-winning writer, Michael Lee Richardson, and they were a joy to have on the podcast. And I remember really, really liking this conversation and some of the insights that were shared. Hope you enjoy. Do you ever suffer with imposter syndrome as a writer? Because I definitely have that as a creative, like all the time. I, uh,
9: yes, I do. I think I used to more than I do now. I think. I've kind of got to a point now where I know what I'm good at as a writer and I know what isn't my strength and I also know I think I know how to talk about my work now which is a weird thing to say because I I don't think I did in the past I wasn't very good at like pitching stories and story ideas and like telling people why I was gonna write something and why it should be me that writes it so I think I've gotten a, a lot better at that over the years but I definitely do still get a bit of imposter syndrome just in terms of it's a a funny little thing because I think every time you cross a sort of milestone in this industry you find out that there's another secret milestone waiting for you (laughs) slightly up the road that you couldn't see so often it's about yeah just sort of lagging your way Towards the next milestone I don't know <laughs> I don't know If that's a very good way Of looking
0: at it I, I think that's actually A really good way Of looking at it And I, I'm actually I, I'm concurring with that I've never thought About like that But I think that's Actually really true So I like yeah. that No that's I just thought I would ask Because I think A lot of guests do And I think more people Have imposter syndrome Than people might think And I think there's Nothing wrong with it So I appreciate you Being open about that as well
9: I, d- I think there's another thing that's like I, I used to get it When I went to like You know you go to like A networking event Or something like that I used to be like I used to keep Catching myself and being like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. Mm. Sort of that that weird imposter syndrome feeling of like, I'm not supposed to be here. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what any of these people, I'm not on the same page as a lot of these people. But I think I got to a point where it was like I don't know. Even if I'm not supposed to be here, I am fucking here, so I've got <laughs> to do something with that, or else what's the point? Why did you come if you didn't if yeah. you didn't want to be here? You could have just stayed. At home. <laughs> uh,
0: so yeah. yeah. Well, the, the takeaway from from what we we been talking about tonight is definitely keep lagging your way to the next milestone. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. <laughs> what, I love it. I love it. But I've got one more question for you and I've really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you for for giving up your time. But my last question is sort of just to round off and you'd you'd offered some great advice already, but what would your sort of closing advice be to anyone that maybe wanted to work in the creative industries in general, but particularly wanted to be a screenwriter?
9: Yeah, I I think, kind of you said about it all sort of feeds back into each other I think you use what you've got to get where you want to be I think I think when I was thinking about my answer to this I think there's a fine line because I think that the really important thing especially in screenwriting is not to be snobby because I think a lot of people can be snobby about like I'm not going to write for soap so I'm not going to write this I only want to do this thing and this is all I'm going to do and I think if that's the case then you're not going to get very far with it
3: Because
9: you you don't get to make, uh, I don't know, a Marvel movie if you've not ever done anything before, which is what a lot of people think is going to be their experience. But I also think like you need to figure out what you want, like look at what you like watching and what you like writing and sort of pursue that like mad but also just like you know do every gig that comes your way like I've done every sort of weird little writing gig that I can to be where I am now like I wrote jokes about dogs for a CBBC show that was one of my first gigs that I did as a writer and like was that (laughs) my passion to write jokes about dogs for children not really but you get stuff out of that and like I make contacts out of that that I still am in touch with that I've gotten you know gigs from recently so everything does kind of come back and feed into itself so just like look at what opportunities there are around you and kind of and, and pursue them to the best of your abilities I think.
0: Hello, it's JB here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys ...that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated and, I mean, there's lots of podcasts, we all love podcasts... ...but it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So, doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth and just telling friends and family to listen or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful, not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcasts, please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it, it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. Okay we're about halfway through this best of now and next up we have a snippet from episode 43 of the podcast with Rachel Fulton who was at the time shortlisted for the Sunday Times Short Story Award and Rachel was a brilliant guest to have on. She's introduced me to many guests that subsequently went on to be on the podcast and I remember loving this conversation that we recorded last June in 2021 and she shared some amazing insights about being a writer so I hope you enjoy this little snippet from that episode. Well, I normally ask this question as the second question on the podcast, but I deliberately held it back for this episode. I sort of we like to ask everyone how where they're from has sort of influenced them. It's great, but I actually kind of wanted to ask you how where you're from has influenced you as a writer, in particular these sort of short stories.
10: So Castle Douglas, if you're not familiar with it, is a small town in Southwest Scotland, and I think we've got about four thousand people, and it's a really great. Place to grow up, and it's a really great staycation destination if anyone fancies it. I know a good hotel. <laughs> and it's also set within the most beautiful countryside. You know, it really is, we get sort of overlooked in favour of the lakes, which are quite nearby, and also the highlands. But and Galloway is just this beautiful landscape and you can have all different types of weather in one day. And there's woodland and there's coast and there's it's just stunning. And I often think when I take the dog out before I start writing in the day, we go a big long walk. And I just think, you know, people pay for writer's retreats. to come to somewhere like this and this is just literally two minutes out the front door and that's another tick in the Scotland box not the London box by the way (laughs) I just think you know we're just surrounded by all this like rich amazing landscape but the, the themes that also come from being in a small town are very important to my work and I think that If you read some of my other stories, there's one online called Shug, which tends to resonate with people. And that's about, it's basically about toxic masculinity. It's about a man who's raised to be a very stern farmer. He's not allowed to show his emotions. And it's about how his life unfolds with his wife and daughter. And obviously having a daughter when you're raised in a very male-dominated society and how he deals with that. And I have some other stories which are about homophobia in small towns and the sort of microaggressions mm. that people who are gay face when they're raised in these kind of very traditional communities so I mean it's not all bad Douglas is lovely <laughs> but th- there are parts of coming from a small town that are not the same as growing up in a big city you know and I like to write about those things and highlight them because I don't think that you know everybody in the world knows what it's like to grow up in a tiny wee village in scotland (laughs) so that's um so that's sort, and also it's important to write about what you know i think that's such a cliche yeah it's so
0: true though so true
10: yeah if any time i've been writing about London for example I feel like we discussed imposter syndrome but I feel like I'm faking it and one really important thing and I wrote this in a, an interview I did for the Sunday Times recently you know they said wh- what was the advice that you'd give people that want to be in your position next year and I said you know write what's in you already and know what you think other people are going to like because I would never have entered call myself I want to say I, I didn't like the story you know I would cringe when I read it back I thought it was too Scottish I thought you know these sort of really important literary judges you know David Mitchell wrote Cloud Atlas for kind of like you know I was thinking you know, how would I impress them if I was writing yeah. a story I would have written something very English very literary and you know just tried to be somebody that I wasn't and so I think it's important to be true to where you come from and be true to the stories that you already have rather than you know trying to be liked you know
0: that's, that's, not that's, everyone's gonna yeah. like
10: your work no so that's, that's
0: great that's a, that's a, no I totally agree with that I, I always try and write what I know as well I just think you should I, what's the point in writing something that you don't like doesn't mean anything to you like I think that part, for me the whole reason of writing something is because you have something to say and you have some a story to tell about your own Experiences and where you're from and stuff, but I'll try and I'll try and pick the sort of more interesting ones to ask. Before I forget, as well, actually, you wrote the short stories on a phone. Actually, I should probably ask about that.
10: Yeah, which I didn't think was weird, and then people were like, "What?" And then that was the line that I think ITV Border went with as well. They did a whole thing: "Girl writes story on phone." But yeah, that's just a, a time-saving thing, and I'm a phone addict anyway, so I just, Yeah, so make the most of it basically if someone's moaning that you're on your phone just tell them you're writing your novel but yeah I just would sit on the couch and do it and I still do it gives you a horrible cramp in your fingers but I feel like that suits my lifestyle more than me sitting down and be like okay it's work time we have Four hours to do X amount of words I just do it As and when I can On the bus Or you know In between shifts Now I'm trying to Initiate a, a firmer routine Where I sit down And I'm like I am a writer But yeah Before that It was all done In in chips and drabs On my phone
0: Well Rachel This has been an absolute I've, I've loved this conversation It's been so good To have you on And you'd sort of Given advice Throughout this episode But we sort of get Our guest For the sort of Last question To sort of Just summarise Just what their advice Would be to anyone Who maybe wants to work In the creative industry industries maybe more specifically as a writer as that's kind of what you're doing now but yeah this has been great though so I really appreciate your time
10: no yeah i would just tell people to don't be put off by rejection which is very easy for me to say because i don't <laughs> i don't handle it particularly well myself but you know call it only was highly commended in the first competition and it's gone further in the next one so just because one story doesn't do well one place doesn't mean it won't do better elsewhere so don't feel defeated would be my my leaving advice. Okay,
0: next up, we are going to episode forty-one with Connor Burke, who I had the pleasure of meeting in real life at the start of the year, and I remember having a ball recording this episode, so it was a joy to listen back to it. And I hope you enjoy some of his insights to being a playwright. When did you first? Do you remember like when you first started writing your own stuff as well? Was that at alley or you'd always done that as well?
3: I've always done that, Jamie. Probably from the age of seventeen, mm-hmm. like. I remember, again, when I was coming out, I wrote up a letter to my mum and dad that I yeah. planned to print off and leave it in the house and go away. Aww. But I feel immense guilt about calling myself a writer. Like, I've got a lot of friends who oh, me constantly too, write, 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 mm-hmm. write, write, I don't operate that way. Same. I What happens to me is I come up with an idea. For example, young guy about to come out of the closet. And then I write it in two weeks. And then I don't get another idea for a year and a half. So I, I feel like like some of my friends wake up in the morning like Melissa the Scottish girl like she wakes up in the morning and has a black coffee like she's got a leather bound notebook with like a fucking quill do you know what i mean like so I feel here is me on microsoft word just writing for half an hour a day for 10 days like
9: oh god
0: Connor, this is great. This is this is a great therapy session for us both. So I'm, I'm getting a lot of relatability to you, right? now. It's great. Yeah. No, I have a, I have an Emmy in screenwriting, and I feel the same. It's like I do write, but I feel like I write very inconsistently. I'll have an idea that'll get worked on, but you know, have to have a. De- I don't just you know, I'm not like one of those people that might write like, writing every day. Like oh, I need to write. You know what I mean? I've, I've so I do feel the exact same thing about being exactly.
3: A problem, so. Like yeah. the thing with me, Jamie, is that I just need a tagline. Like I need what is this play about? I need yeah. young guy about to come out of the closet. Okay, I can write that. But those ideas are very few and far mm. between, and I don't try to force myself.
0: Yeah, it's hard to make them original as well when you have a simple idea like that. It's, it's difficult. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can I feel you. Feel you there. We'll have another quick fire one. This is a writery one. So, like, if you could work with any current writers at the moment, you could co-write some with someone. Who would you choose to co-write with?
3: Oh my God, that's an amazing question. Uh, Ryan Murphy. One hundred percent. Aaron Sorkin, love his oh,
0: work. Oh yeah, we we spoke about him on the Oscars podcast there. We with did, with Joe. Yeah, he
3: he, he is fa- he's fantastic. He he has to be one of the smartest men alive. I think like yeah, very very good. The yeah. way he writes his stories are just incredible. And then in terms of Ryan Murphy, I'm I'm really interested in his his concepts and how he comes up with these ridiculous universes. It's like What are you sniffing like? And where can I get some? Do you know what I mean? And then probably in terms of playwrights, there's an amazing uh, Irish playwright. Her name is Eve O'Connor. And she wrote a play called Mazin Bricks, uh, Mm -hmm. which is a two-hander. And she is on the way into Dublin to go to an abortion rights rally. And he's on the way home from a night out. Yeah. And they're both in their 20s. And she, I I think previously, Eva was a, a spoken word artist so her writing is really rhythmic and very poetic and i went to see the show in edinburgh actually at at the fringe and people were just crying in the audience because the language of it like there was nothing sad happening but the way the card like jamie i can't i can't explain it like definitely check out her work so those would probably be the three writers for me that I'm really interested in That's great, well I have one more which kind of kind of maybe answered a wee bit
5: there
0: but it's just sort of as an actor and writer who are the people, what are you, what are like plays that have influenced you, who are like people that have had a big influence on you as an artist
3: Yeah definitely Amazing Bricks by Eve O'Connor, hmm. I'm really interested in things that are current Jamie, I think that yes. when I reel it back and take away all the layers like I write theatre and I'm involved in theatre because I don't understand a lot of things about the world and when I write about something and I write about a topic, I learn about it and I force myself to learn about it and people come to see it and they know things about it that I don't know. And we learn from each other. So I'm very interested in people who write about today and about what's happening now and who write about marginalized groups and about young people in particular, because I feel like when I was growing up and I was going to see theater in Dublin, we'd go to the Abbey theater, which is Ireland's national theater. And we'd see these amazing productions with absolutely world class actors, and we'd be like, "That was incredible, but I can't relate to that yeah. like you yeah. know I, I i'm I'm seventeen working class, and I, it's like i don't I can't relate to like a modern day adaptation of King lear like i just i I don't get it and I think from <laughs> from the moment that I saw things like that, I was like, I need to start making theater that people my age." And lived experience can relate to Which is kind of where Sophie Ben and Other Problems yeah. Was kind of birthed from So I love anyone Like in or around our age Making their own work Like I will go see anything And a lot of different people Inspire me for a lot of different reasons well, well
0: I've got one more question for you And you'd given some great advice for it as well But I just sort of wondered If you could sort of recap it, And we'd like to ask everyone To just sort of What advice you would offer to Anyone who maybe wants to be an actor A playwright A podcaster Or just in general Wants to sort of work in the creative industries What would your
3: face to them be believe in the power of your own work and just fucking do it i yeah. think back to my time at bull Alley and i think of all of the amazing people that i met there who were so talented and gifted and they left bull Alley and they just didn't do anything they had this mindset of they're going to walk through dublin and they're going to be discovered by this casting agent who will let them it do- it's like it does not work that way it's like everything that i've ever achieved in my life Absolutely everything in terms of my career in the arts has been from me doing it myself. And it's not it's not a magic trick. Like, it's just simple. Like, if you're a writer, sit down and write a play and get your friends together on Zoom and get them to read the script and get in contact with the theatre when the world is back to normal or semi-normality and be like, my name is X and I've written this play and I think it would be good on in your venue. Because when I look at the the trajectory of my shows, for example, Sophie Ben and Other Problems, I wrote that for my university's theatre company for one night. And in 2022, it's having its off West End premiere. And I, I know I'm a good writer and I've got a skill at it, but I also know the reason it got to that position was because... I took every opportunity that I got. And if I wasn't getting any opportunities, I was making it myself and anyone can do it. It's just a lot of people choose not to do it. And yeah. so my piece of advice would be just do it, write it. If you don't know where it's going to be put on, whether it's on the theater festival or a specific venue, write it yeah. and just tell yourself it's going to be put on. Um, because the worst thing that can come out of it is nothing happening for you. Yeah. So that's something I always try to live by. And that's why I surround myself with people who are like that, like like my friend Joe, like me and Joe kind of have a mantra where it's like I've written something. I'm not going to write something to just not put it on. I mean, even if it's shit, I'd rather have it on and get some feedback on it than just have it sit on my laptop until the day I die. So just do it as Nike would say.
0: This next clip is from episode 49 of the podcast with Rachel Reagan. I'm actually just as I record this Aware that we have had Three different Rachels on the podcast We'd actually had more than Three Rachels on But three of our writers Have all been called Rachel So I've just realised That she's the third of this episode But I remember recording This episode with Rachel Last August August 2021 It was a really really Enjoyable conversation to record And she was of course Recently back on the podcast With F-Bomb Theatre To talk about their Fringe show last month Which may I quickly add Was an absolute joy To see And it did so well At the Fringe So congrats to F-Bomb Theatre For that Um, But I hope you enjoy This little clip from episode 49 of the podcast Question as well Which I think is really important And because we all have failure We all have things we'd done in the past That we maybe regret But like a question we'd started asking as well Is like what What would you say Your biggest creative failure has been to date And like how, how did you learn from that failure?
11: <laughs> yeah my my play, <laughs> Hungerland, literally got s- savaged by a critic and I can't find this review anywhere. I think they deleted it off the internet, but they basically, I got like no stars.
0: Oh, what? <laughs> Not even one? No
11: star. There. Not even one star. Can you Jeez, believe it? No. I know. I thought I de- deserved at least one star. Come on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was kind of hard to bounce back from. But at the end of the day, some people said they enjoyed it and let it touch them. So... Uh, That's all you can really hope for, I guess. But it is hard. I won't lie; like it's hard to read bad reviews.
0: (laughs) No, yeah, definitely. But like, obviously, you you have bounced back from it now and stuff, and like you you've gone on to do stuff. So like, did did that take a long time, or did you eventually just sort of shrug it off?
3: Well,
11: I I don't know. I was going through a lot of personal things in my life at that time as well, so. By the time I got back to uni, I was pretty much, I hadn't done writing for like a year, literally. Mm. I hadn't done anything creative for a year. I was in lockdown. Things were not great. I was trapped in Australia. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so by the time I came back, I, I was pretty much just ready to, to go. And I think having that failure, I wouldn't even call it a failure, but that right. learning experience, it. It basically, it made me reconsider like what kind of theater I really want to put out there. And if I was never to write another play again, like I'm so glad it was After Party because I felt like more than Hungerland or anything I've done before, it's like, it's a real showcase of like my voice and, and who what who I want to be as a as a playwright
0: yeah definitely so
11: keep going i guess
0: yeah and and the thing is right reviews are so problematic cuz i used to write reviews for like a film magazine and i kind of don't really like i don't really like that we have to give everything like a a star rating and stuff In a way Like I mm. just much prefer to be Like I, I saw the play I saw After Party And I really enjoyed it It was really good Go and see it Like I feel that's Much more positive Than being like I saw After Party Like you know And then somebody maybe Is like oh I gave it Three stars at five Like why Like I just don't really Like to like The give, idea of I'm not yeah. saying I gave you a play Three stars at five But it's just an example <laughs>
11: yeah it's over um no um (laughs) no I think I think you're so right and I think obviously reviews are important and they have a place but I think we also need to consider who's writing the reviews and Mm. 90% of critics in the UK are actually men so and I'm sure in terms of diversity or race sexuality class like I don't think it's it's doing great so I think we just need to examine what kind of stories are being told that that has value because we all have you know unconscious biases so I'm I may see something and think it was amazing but someone who is 65 and a, you know, middle-class white man may disagree. And that's fine. That's fine. But we all like different things and we all find different stories relatable. I just think we need to have more diverse critics because otherwise we're we're never gonna get a wide range of voices
0: i feel like reviews need to take into account like the context as well because even make like i mean there's lots of terrible films which are just terrible for example but like even but like having been on sets, even getting terrible film made it still takes a lot of work and it was even to get to that point so like i feel like it is it can, like it feels like a bit harsh sometimes giving something a bad review as well but that's a bit of a tangent
4: well,
11: I- Absolutely. I think like Art Party was, um, it was made on a £350 budget. So if anyone comes for the, you know, how good the costumes look or something, we'll kick off.
0: (laughs) <laughs> no it works like I would have thought you had a bigger budget than that so there you go Well my last question for you which and you've given some advice throughout actually But just if you were able to summarize like what your advice would be to anyone who wants to be a playwright Anyone who's in the sort of same position as you or just anyone who wants to work or so get into the creative industries in general like what would your advice for them be?
11: I don't want to sound like cliched but I would literally just say like don't give up I think unless it's harming you mentally to keep doing it I think there are opportunities, and there are, you just never know what's around the corner for you. The other thing I would say is, if you are wanting to become a playwright, read lots of plays. Like, I know it's so, so expensive to see theatre, and it's a problem, but if you can read plays, you'll definitely learn a lot about, like, story structure and things like that. Don't feel like you have to be productive all the time, because I think we are so ingrained in this mindset that we always have to be working and i think sometimes that's detrimental to a creative process so if you need a break if you just need to even step back from your career for a bit and just like give yourself a mental break like the if you are create if you're a creative the creativity will come it will come so you don't you don't need to be constantly like churning out words you don't need to be like okay well i need to be nine to five if that's what works for you it works for you but like I, I don't work that way. I, I honestly, like I start working at like 11 o'clock at night Um, and that, you know, may not work for you, but I think just don't put yourself under the pressure to, to always be productive. I think it's kind of the enemy of, creativity
0: okay we're getting through it now we're getting closer to the end i hope you'd enjoyed it so far we've only got three little clips to go but next up is a clip from episode 72 of the podcast with jd stewart who is a very very talented playwright and he had an excellent bit of advice when he was on the podcast and i'm sure you're going to love this next clip the last question we'd like to ask is sort of just your, what your sort of closing advice would be to anyone that wants to work in the creative industries in general but maybe more specifically wants to be a playwright what would you say to them
6: Well, I think in general, and I say this a lot, people, and I wish someone had said this to me sooner, is understand what success means to you. Mm. And I think I say this because the creative industry is measured by Oscars and BAFTAs and Grammys and Brit awards and things that like the public eye sees, but it's not measured in like... Like job consistency or like or not job consistency, but like being able to to have a job, you know, like and to and to be on tour with a company for 365 days a year, you know, like and that is success, you know, and I think understand as you enter this industry, understand what success means to you, because there will be a lot of people around you that will dictate what they think success is whether that be friends and family being like, have you won a BAFTA yet? Or have you won an Oscar yet? You know, when, through whatever going on BBC. And these are all wonderful things, sure. But like, you may want to have your play produced at a local theatre, you know? And that's what you want. And that is success to you. And going to grad school is a success. Graduating is a success, you know? Having someone from a theatre read your play and give you feedback is a success. So yeah, I just think really, really have a, a deep understanding of what that is, because the rest of it is noise. That is
0: a brilliant answer to that question. We never had that answer before. For this question, and I, I think that's amazing. That's a I've never thought about it like that before, but it's so true. It's so true. I think it's very important. I think so many people get disappointed because, as you say, That success is you know influenced by people around them. Is something maybe that might be a bit harder to get, and they think they're a failure when they're not. They've done a lot of amazing things. But but something I've always said on this podcast as well. I actually think success is just being happy. I think if you're happy in what you're doing, then that is success. Like do you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. and success is different for everyone as well. That's why it's so important, as you say, like define your own success because success to somebody else might not be being happy like that's what success is to me but it doesn't mean that that's what success is for you so i think that's a very very brilliantly put answer
6: i mean like my one-man show like not many people came to see it you know and that's fine it's like it's difficult in these fringe venues in new york but like afterwards one guy came up and said that he really enjoyed it and it connected with it and that was enough you know i was like that's great like it doesn't need to be it doesn't need thousands of people you know like it's like but if you reach that one person you know that's a good thing like and that is a success and like even getting it there is a success and i think a lot of people forget those little things and in terms of like writing and playwriting i think just and everyone says like keep writing and I, i believe that i do obviously but like i don't write every day and i appreciate that people do but don't beat yourself up if you don't write every day because sometimes writing is living life you know and yeah. sometimes it's getting on the bus, and it's watching people, and it's going for coffee, and it's going to the movies, and it's going on a walk, and it's working in a part-time job, you know. And sometimes writing is not always physically the act of writing, but writing is living, and I think that a lot of people forget that as well, you know. Hundred uh, And I'll go on, I'll go on like long stretches where I don't really write, and then I'll just sort of write intensely for like a day, two days, three days, you know. And it's just how I work, but like because when you're writing you're always writing you're writing in your head you know like and i feel like that and like the other piece of advice i would give to writers is (laughs) sorry i have loads is um when you're stuck with your play pick up your phone I'm going to pick up my phone. They're like, pick up your phone and just like, don't even call anyone, but just like pretend to. So be like, hi, hi, Jamie, how are you? I just wanted to tell you about my play. And it's about um, this cushion called Sam and he loves this other cushion. <laughs> and like in doing that, you will figure out What the problem is with what you're doing, and I find that really helpful. Yeah, I do that all the time. That's that's brilliant. um,
0: That's absolutely brilliant. And can I just say as well, your answer before that? Well, I do not believe anyone that says they write every day. I'm sorry, I don't believe in. And I now work (laughs) with like as a script editor, like pretty professional writers who are very successful at the top, you know, top of their field. They do not write every day. I can tell you that. Like no way they write every day. They can say they do if they want. I'm sorry, they don't. (laughs) I just don't believe that. And even if and and everyone's different anyway. It doesn't matter. As you say, it's all about what you prefer to do. Like there's not a rule. in this industry at all, you know, we'd had like seventy odd guests on this podcast now. Not everyone had. There's no rules. Everyone does what they need to do for them, and yeah,
6: yeah. And I think it's like the, the ability to do that is is a privilege that n- like we don't always have because we have other commitments, you know. And I think if you can write every day, then that's wonderful. And if you can make the time to write every day, that's wonderful. Don't be hard on yourself because you can't do it, you know, like because mm. other things come up because life happens and it's all a part of making you who you are to be able to write what you will write when you write it so i think that's do that
0: okay second last one now it's been an absolute joy to put this episode together for you but next up we are going to episode 70 of the podcast with my dear friend noemi stefan and she was a joy to have on the podcast i love this conversation and hope you enjoy this little clip from our conversation at the start of the year so our next question is and a lot of people listening a lot of our listeners and especially writers They love to know, and I know this is maybe an annoying question because when I was a writer and people asked me, I never know what to say, but like what's your sort of process for writing? Like what's your schedule like? Because a lot of people like to know how like, you know, the best way to approach writing. And there's not a right answer because everyone's different. But what would you, if you were doing a day's writing, what's your like sort of schedule? Like what do you, what makes you sort of perform to your best, would you say?
8: I mean, I have horrible concentration skills, like zero
0: yeah, me, me I too. Exactly. Yeah. We discussed this many times.
8: Yeah, and I sleep a lot, so I, I, I now have uh, the luxury of a studio, which I go to to sleep. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm like the worst person to give advice. I, I do some things like that. I can maybe tell people. I record people on trains and buses. I don't know. That's probably ethically controversial, but I, I do do that, and I do audio recorder, trans- though,
0: right? it's not you're not like audio audio recording
8: (laughs) and I don't put it on on Instagram or anything no but I I didn't often transcribe that and it helps me because then there's already something on the page Mm. and usually I just take it all away again but it's something that's already there something that there's already somebody speaking and sometimes that helps me yeah and also I'm doing loads of notes and then start to expand the notes so i have at, at the moment i'm writing a treatment and there's some bits that are only titles and there's a few like notes underneath like has to be about this There has to happen this and this and this and then i just go from the top and yeah. start to expand it mm. and go back and forth if i need something to happen in the first act and i've only started writing it in a third i go back i Used to hate treatments and now I think they're actually quite genius, like yeah. they, they're quite useful
0: No, they're so useful, um, honestly yeah. we, I was the exact same because we'd when, we, when I used to write and when we were at uni together We used to always talk about how we loved dialogue and we loved writing dialogue and yeah. We hated outlines We hated treatments.
8: We're the talking people <laughs>
0: but, now, but now Like having worked Like being a script editor And seeing like professional TV series getting go, You know being made And being on the other side of it I'm like they, You need a treatment You need an outlet They're like essential Because you kind of need to know Where you're going Or you're just going to crash So it's, it'd be like driving a car But not knowing your destination I think So yeah they're quite essential I think I've changed my opinion completely
8: I think so too yeah. Also one last thing I'm working with a script editor As well at the moment And she told me I, because I did this, as we talked about before, I, I did this very messy version of uh, of my last screenplay. And she said to just try and write a, a short story about what it was about in the very beginning. And that really mm. helped me to tremendously. Just having this short document in prose, like not this treatment conceptual thing, but something creative and like nicely written thing. Yeah, that helped me a lot I think it, it might seem like a distraction But it's actually going to help
0: No because I think You discovered the essence Of what you were actually yeah. Trying to say so I think that's a really good idea Well there's lots and lots Of more things I could ask you right But I'm going to start this, like, Coming up for an hour So I'm going to start To wrap up the interview i just got a couple Of more questions But my one one more questions For you is And this is a very difficult One to answer So I appreciate that But like what would you We all we can all learn from failure And we'd all failed In our careers so far No matter what age we are No matter what part, point, point Of our career we're in But what would you sort of say Your biggest creative failure? has been to date and what have you learned from that failure that people can maybe see a positive in?
8: I think it must be that one screenplay that we talked about because I I was talking to too many people about it and I was taking on their ideas because they were good ideas but they weren't mine and then I found myself not being able to write them because they weren't my ideas. And I think, yeah, I think that was, that felt like a big failure because in the end I had like this 130 pages script and it wasn't mine because it was filled with ideas of other people. And some of them were my lovely director's ideas who were great, like they were great ideas, but they were directing ideas and they were too early. They were, they were, they've come in too early in the game. And, and I think learning that was sort of hard because it took me such a long time. But it was a good lesson in the yeah. end.
0: So sort of now you would much more like wait till later before you start getting lots and lots of different voices in your ear about something. Maybe is that
8: yeah, sort of, yeah. But it's also it also helps if you find one person that you can trust mm. and trust not in the way that you might like them a lot, but like somebody who understands what you want to do. And I have that now, luckily, with my script editor, who just forbid me to call my, my director. <laughs> she was like, don't talk to her. Don't. She's gonna give you ideas. <laughs>
0: so, no. That's good. That's so, um, good. And, yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting idea. You answer. need that person. Yeah. No, thank you for 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 being honest about that as well okay it's the last part of the episode now and to close it off I just wanted to share this snippet from episode 77 of the podcast with Kenny empson who is an amazing writer he's been BAFTA nominated and he's just an absolute joy to chat to at the time I loved com- I love my conversation with Kenny and I hope you enjoy this amazing bit of advice from Kenny empson but like we had a really interesting conversation before we started recording and again I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to make you repeat everything you said to me But, yeah. but like about the soaps and as a writer because I think this is really interesting for a lot of writers here that maybe are listening And haven't got the opportunity yet To step up and do a professional show But like having all the soap stuff under your belt Particularly a show like EastEnders You must have learned a lot as a writer That has really helped your career going forward And where you are now and stuff
1: Huge And it, it, te- it teaches you to write the deadlines It teaches you that you're not the most important person Like I said, everyone's got a big mm. old ego In EastEnders, mm. you know There is a massive machine It's insane it, You shouldn't be able to make the amount of television That the BBC <laughs> do You know, and for the money they're doing it for as well. It's incredible. And that takes a lot of work from a lot of people. And you're just the person writing, you know, like there's a bit. Don't get me wrong. The writers, I always stick up for the writers, but uh, but you're one part in a massive cog. And so it kind of teaches you a bit of that and just a discipline of story. Just understanding what story is meant to do. Do you know what I mean? Like we all know, you know, when you watch an episode of something and you're like, I just don't know why, but I just didn't enjoy that. And generally, it will be to do with the structure. The structure isn't, it hasn't done what you kind of need. It hasn't given you that pathos, that kind of, you know, it hasn't taken you on that journey. So yeah, and no, I, I think it's amazing for anyone. Like I, I really do think there's, there's a lot you can well there's a lot you can learn from john york but then it, it will make you a better writer because you're, you're actually in production as well like you know since I, I, I like left the soaps properly in like 2011 2012 i've had one screen project greenlit well like one feature project greenlit do you know what i mean So there's a lot of developing stuff that don't get made and when stuff isn't getting made you haven't got the pressure of production whereas when you're on extenders it's like we need a script Tomorrow mm. Because it's going to shoot next week And you just can't muck around with that Because it's like We've been doing this for 35 years mate So if you can't <laughs> do it, we'll get, it But it is It's like if you can't do it We'll get someone else in And yeah. you know It's ruthless But it, it kind of is the way it is
0: Yeah No but 100% but I was saying to you before as well As a script editor Like working with writers Who have come through the soap It's much easier And they tend to be a lot quicker and a lot better at getting things from a point of like development to being ready to go out so i just think as a writer like it's definitely i think a lot of writers sometimes put their nose up to it and they maybe should think again about that and maybe think okay maybe this could be an opportunity i'm not saying you have to write on the soaps if you don't want to it's not for everyone but i I think people should maybe not be as snobby about them as they maybe sometimes are it is
1: one of them things that people are snobby but also people are snobby about everything that is very true especially in
0: this bloody industry aren't they
1: (laughs) Yeah, but it's just that thing. People, people love to have a little snob off about everything. But <laughs> and look, like don't get me wrong. Like you know, if you if you watch every soap that comes out over a year, there's a lot of bad episodes. Do you know what I mean? Because of course there are. It's it's impossible to make that. You know, like the greatest teller or, you know, the TV shows that we all talk about, like the Mm -hmm. Breaking Bad, the Sopranos, there's bad episodes of that as well. And they only made nine series and they made it (laughs) over the, best. you know, they they made it over like, you know, course of like 10, 10 years. They still have bad episodes. The soaps, they're making three of them a week, four of them a week. Like that's insane. Every week of the year, you know, of course, there's going to be bad episodes. So yeah, people are a bit snobby. I I think it's really good to do them. I think it's good to do them and then try and do your own stuff though. Because, you know, like, I didn't get in a writing to make money. Do you know what I mean? Like no, I want of But you get into it because you want to tell your own, you feel like you've you got to tell something. Us, yeah, 100%. Yeah, something you can add. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, and that for me, that's, kind of what it's about it's like what can i add and yeah, yeah there's not a lot more to add to extend this <laughs> yeah no, no. <laughs> fair enough but it's yeah. still interesting it's nice yeah. to
0: hear you sort of reflect on it so honestly and, and genuinely like appreciate it my next question is what is which uh, this one you were sent so you hopefully might have had a bit more warning yeah. but it's what are the sort of free essential skills that you feel people would maybe need if they want to be a writer so what are free skills you think everyone could potentially use if they were to write
1: Ah, uh, like you got hard hard work do you know what I mean? Like, it's a lot of graft. You know, it just is. It is. And like, everyone talks about it as if it's like, you know, everyone uses, like, oh, it's like a caterpillar and it becomes a mm. butterfly. No, it's 10,000 words, mate. Do you know what I mean? That's what it is. And if you want to work in TV, it's, Ten thousand words a week (laughs) i mean like or you know less if it's half hours but it's 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 graft like there is graft and all the meetings all the pitching do you know what i mean all the rejection like you gotta you gotta get used to that it's gonna be graft and it's funny sometimes when i work with playwrights and young playwrights and you know struggling to get a draft out and i think like you want to work in tv like it's gonna eat you up because it, it, it ate me up as well i remember the first set of notes i got on eastenders and they were like i was like what's going on i was like everyone said they liked the episode and like the notes were about six pages long and then someone's like oh no no mate that's just the way it works Do you know what i mean like that's just tv but yeah so you got you got you've got to, you've got to want a graph because there's a lot of people out there who do and do you know what i mean so if you want to do it you got to do that do you have a thick skin because of the rejections and you got to love it as well. Like, so many people I talk to just seem to hate it. And I'm like, well, go and do something else. Like, literally. <laughs> but it is, like, because there's loads of people who want to do this. Like, if you do really hate it, go and do something else. Like, why, why would you waste your time with something you hate? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, I like to, I'm i in a very fortunate position to be able to do something I love. But, like, there's other jobs that are easier. Do you know what I mean? There's loads of jobs that are easier as well. Do you know what I mean? Go and cash in. Go and do something else. Do you know what I mean? Mate, yeah. anyway, the day I hate it, I'm going to go and work in a bowling alley because I love bowling. <laughs> I'm working a bowling alley and I'm gonna have a great time in a bowling alley. And I might you know, I might not make enough money, but I have a great time doing it Cause fuck it, life's short. Sure. Do something you enjoy.
0: I love it. Well there you go That was episode 92 Of Just Get A Real Job I hope you enjoyed This week's Best of writer's advice special Let us know What you thought of it We'd never done Anything like this before We might do another one We'd have quite a lot Of actors on the podcast That's a possibility We might do Another writer's one With the writers That we didn't have Space for on this Yeah let us know We're always looking To hear from listeners And get your input And advice But thank you very much For listening I hope you enjoyed it Especially if you're a writer I'm sure there was Lots of great insights To take away It was an absolute joy To put this together Remember as always As well if you're The podcast Be sure to share it on social media Tell friends and family to listen And if you can even leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Wherever you listen, that also goes a long way In helping us to pick up new listeners, etc, etc Anyway, thank you very much for listening Hope you have a lovely week And we'll be back in next week with another episode Of Just Get A Real Job Have a good one, folks
8: Just get a real job